0: All right, so fascinating new stuff coming up. The uh, debate uh, among the Democrats, and this one, you know, we normally don't speak too much in the way of debates, right? But well, now, they're
1: so tough to watch. Yeah, usually. Well, that's
0: true. <laughs> I always wait for the five-minute, uh, you know, summaries uh, way after, and then somebody mashes it up. Somebody does it for us. You know, we. Right. Anyway, the point is, you, we wait for
1: Dennis Prager to tell us what to think.
0: Right. <laughs> no, no, no. There's no. there are I'm mashups. <laughs> there yes. are mashups later on. Uh, about the highlights, you know, that's what you really look for. Yeah, and uh, I did more than that, of course, but I, I could not watch the entire thing. I, I think I watched about half of it total, and then looked at the summaries. And there were some things that I had not seen. Anyway, uh, these debates were interesting to watch only because it was the first time, first of all, that Bloomberg was up there. Uh, Tom Steyer was not there. There were what? Only five people the this time? Six. There's okay. So let me go through it. Bernie. Biden, Bloomberg, the bees, right? Klobuchar and Warren. Uh, Warren. and Buddy Edge. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it is six. Okay. Edge. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's hard those... to
1: consider Klobuchar actually being on there legitimately. So really, it was five. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Whatever. <right>. Whatever.
0: <laughs> so, but she participated quite a bit this time. Yeah. So the point is that uh, it was worth watching just to see the Bloomberg impact, if there was one. And I, I had thought before the debate that the, that it was not such a wise approach for Bloomberg to really want, it's one of those things, be careful what you want, you just might get it. So he wanted to be on the debate stage, and he got it, uh, because apparently he got enough in the way of uh, the, the polling. Uh, and th- for him, as what appeared to be a front runner, or at least a serious threat to the others, You only have to lose by going on the debate stage, right? This is—it's pretty basic. Either you—the best you can hope for is that you maintain the same popularity, but not necessarily punch through it. And uh, in this case, you have a very strong chance that if you say anything stupid, you're going to actually lose popularity. And that's exactly what happened to him. Uh, One of the things that I find fascinating—and this is really—it's all about preparation at the end of the day. You know, I go to court; you got to be prepared. And. There are times that you get surprised. There's no doubt about it. Any lawyer who tells you otherwise is lying. But at least you know the concept of being prepared. <clears throat> and being prepared, I can say this with, without any hesitation, that I'm always prepared for the questions that I know will be asked, right? Like, for example, if my client is uh, accused of not having paid on a promissory note, he will be asked to confirm whether or not he paid on a promissory note. I will tell my client, do you have an answer for that? And I'd like you to answer that, one way or the other. Either he paid it, or he didn't pay it, or it was wh- whatever his defense is, he's gotta be able to say. I, I don't wanna not prepare him for that. And then he just kind of responds about the uh, 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 and he looks to me for an answer, I, and I can't give him an answer at the trial. Anyway, you get the idea. You have gotta be prepared for the obvious stuff, at the very least. So Mike Bloomberg is up there, and the things he should have known we were going to be asked about him, were these NDAs, uh, the, the, the previous harassment claims against him, the stop and frisk issue, uh, and a whole host of other things that were challenging for him as, as the former mayor, and the fact that he changed the rules so that he could become a, a, another mayor for another term and so on. Uh, and he didn't have answers for these questions. He clearly had not prepared very well for it. He just stumbled along. And he looked like a deer in the headlights, all the other analogies you could possibly make. And he was easy game. And I think at some point, they just destroyed him so much that they figured, okay, done. <laughs> now let's move to destroy each other. Yeah, it was, it's an interesting dynamic because his entire reason for being
1: there is, if you will, him coming in with the branding of, I'm, uh, finally, an adult is coming into the room, right? A competent person. And if competency is your very reason to v- for being there, you damn well better look competent, right? And he didn't. He looked as incompetent as the rest of them, which was Really quite hilarious. And he had to know, okay, where are my weak points? Okay, stop and frisk, like you said, a bunch of nasty comments about various things, you know, uh, insensitive uh, use of what is now very charged political correctness rules of conduct. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then some scandals and then explaining why after... All these years of a party railing against millionaires and billionaires, where we have five millionaires on stage, Mm -hmm. uh, why a billionaire is the better choice, Mm -hmm. right? That's right. And then, you know, after it's clear that this party wants communism— of some stripe for him to bash communism, you would think, uh, are those really the people you want to be turning
0: it's crazy. off? It's crazy. The it's way, so insane. It was insane. Everything about this uh, this election is insane in some ways. Oh, well, certainly on, on the on Democrats, Insane sorry. for most. Beautiful for us. Oh, I mean, course. no one enjoyed this more than us. <laughs> it is a circular firing squad, and uh, I, know, I know that phrase is thrown about quite a bit, but it really is a circular firing squad. And I don't know who's going to come out of this. We know that Joe Biden, as his time has come and gone. Uh, he, he's been shown to be a, a very weak candidate, and and he's we even without the dementia. And I don't say that to mock him. He clearly has dementia in my yeah, the way I look at
1: epithet. it. Yeah, it's not an epithet. It's not a slur yeah. or an insult. No, it's I'll, simply what is. A lot. Of, it's clearly a guy my, whose ticker is a little slow here. Right.
0: You my, know? my grandmother had dementia, and you know, uh, my late grandmother. She was a wonderful lady in her life, and I miss her very much. But. I, I would never say, "While she's going through dementia, hey, it would be great if you ran for president." Yeah, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. It, it you know, it, it was <laughs> yes. not her time. Maybe 20 years earlier, I guess. But uh, and Ronald Reagan, he had dementia at the end with Alzheimer's, and had it been that he ran during the time that he had obvious Alzheimer's, I would say maybe not, maybe it's too late, Mister uh, Mister Reagan, yeah. uh, Governor Reagan, at that point. So uh, he, you know, Joe Biden. Again, my heart goes out to him. I don't want anyone to suffer from dementia. But because he has dementia, he, he should not be president. And everyone should be able to see it. They don't see it, okay? But 97% of scientists agree. He's got dementia. <laughs> OK? Yeah, and, and well, they should the way, agree. It's
1: apparently, at his poll number at 9%, 91% of Democrat voters see he has dementia, well, too, apparently. Yeah,
0: perhaps. <laughs> yes. but anyway, so he's gone. Uh, and then you've got uh, Bernie Sanders, who I just cannot understand how they could possibly think that he's going to win the presidency, advocating a push for socialism. He's going to lose a lot of Democrats out there. They, no matter how much they may hate Donald Trump, they also understand, and there are a lot of middle-of-the-road Democrats and even some ardent Democrats who say, look, I hate Donald Trump so much, I, I'll never vote Republican, but damn it, I'm not going to vote for socialism. There's a, there's a big leap there, okay? So it's not going to happen there. And they may not vote for him. They will sit it out. They will simply not be enthusiastic to vote for a socialist because it doesn't make sense to them. That's, that's Chris Matthews. Democrat, who is an ardent hater of Trump and an ardent supporter of Clinton when, when she was running. And he says, I hate socialism. It freaking doesn't work. At least he gets it. And there's plenty of those guys. Yeah. Plenty.
1: And, and Matthews is an incredibly uh, important voice on this because this is a lifelong Democrat operative. He was Tip O'Neill's chief of staff. Right. The, you know, who was Speaker of the House in the 80s so this is a high-ranking long-standing Democrat written books I mean he is like a a voice of of credibility for that party
0: right, right. so He's not, not some nobody exactly so there's Bloomberg of course and we just talked about him I think he really dusted himself off uh, I mean sorry not I mean sorry, he, he destroyed himself. Uh, yesterday's debate, and I think he's not a meaningful uh, player. And he was a Republican, now a Democrat. It's it's a little bit like Benedict Arnold. You know, you can only trust him so much, right? Um, and and what are what are his values? I mean, he's going to be promoting capitalism. He certainly benefited from capitalism, uh, and all of a sudden he's going to be all for uh, socialism, like Bernie is or the others are. I, who who knows where he stands? So there, there are a lot of question marks associated with one, uh, Michael Bloomberg. And the stop and frisk thing, uh, which actually was very effective, the fact that some police officers may have been a little too giddy about it, doesn't mean that you throw the whole baby out with the bathwater. And then he apparently hates every single group you can imagine, whether that's uh, Blacks and Latinos. Uh, whether that's transgendered, whether that's old people who are, uh, you know, some suffering some, from some sort of terminal illness, or pregnant women, farmers, uh, and for, oh yeah, farmers. farmers, I forgot about them. <laughs> right? I mean, plumbers. But other than that, he loves you all, <laughs> right? Uh, it, it's a very strange duck, this this Mike Bloomberg guy. The way he he's so arrogant and belittles everyone else who's just not like him. And you could say that about Trump, but somehow he connects to the middle class. And Michael Bloomberg, I'm sorry, dude, you do not connect with the middle class or anybody for that matter. So he's out. Then you've got Elizabeth Warren, who my girl. <laughs> she's been out uh, now for a couple of weeks now. She's really lost popularity. She's been with the whole Medicare for for all. But let's wait and see. You know, for two and a half years, I'll present it later on. So she she went very lukewarm there. And then in addition, of course, the whole Focahontas uh, issue. These are big problems for her. And she's older. You know, look, they're, they're, a lot of them are really older. And she's got that whiny voice. And I'm sorry, my feminist listeners, if you don't like it, I, I don't care. The point is that it's a reality. They don't... People... Voices matter. They, they actually matter. Just like the height of somebody matters, just like the, uh, the weight of somebody matters. That's the way it is in today's day and age. Uh, these things matter. Okay. Uh, apparently, if you're a bald man, that's going to cut against you. Okay, so if that is going to cut against you, don't be surprised that a, a woman's voice, um, and her voice in particular, as well as Hillary Clinton's voice, might be a factor in whether somebody finally decides to vote for you or not. Okay? So that's it with, with Elizabeth Warren. Then you've got uh, Klobuchar, uh, who, to my mind, you know, probably should be the one that they present as the nominee among the, the six that we saw last night, among the six. I'm not talking about anybody else. Because just from their standpoint, she's probably the safest bet. She, you know, she's, she's a senator. She's got some experience. Uh, she is more moderate than the others. And uh, she's, you know she shows that she's pretty tough. Okay, so I don't like her policies, don't get me wrong, but she's the best one of this very uh, dismal group. Right, And then finally, you got Pete Buttigieg, who, look, putting aside the fact that he's gay uh, and a lot of people are not ready for a gay president, and whether or not that's right or wrong, that's not the issue. Uh, the fact is that that will cut against him. Um, that's the least of his problems, however. He seems to think that he's done something great by being a mayor of this fairly small town in Indiana, no less. And he's got it into his head. A lot of people said, you should run for president. You are so awesome. Well, he did a lousy job in South Bend. And why should he be doing, uh, you, know, you know, perpetuating the job nationwide? It doesn't make any sense. So, and he's too young and his policies don't make any sense. So good luck to him. I just don't see it working for him. So among those candidates that we just mentioned, I think I got them all. Um,
1: so you say of that group, Clo- oh, that group, Cloby, Clo- see of that group based on his performance last night, I think, I think I, and I found out how to say his name. It's boot edge edge, Right, but, but that's did. the new pronunciation. Right. He's bizarre. like Obama. It's he's easier that wet. way. Yeah. yeah. It, I have like a standard of evaluating these people, which is they're all bizarre. The, we I mean, have covered it before they're agreed, all agreed. they're all weird beyond belief the question is who is the least weird of them not who's normal we're, we're not there right and the the whole thing was like I said earlier Bloomberg was supposed to swoop in and be a normal one failed miserably of all of them to my eye not counting his lifestyle and orientation choices which are only apparent when he's not on that stage um... Boot Edge Edge looked last night more normal than the others.
0: He, he did. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, did. But I'm not you talking know. about last night so much. I'm just talking about those are the six players. Right. And generally speaking, and Klobuchar held her own very well in the previous debate. The, let's. I don't yeah. want to get down I mean, there. It, I don't want to go down there.
1: It's it's the the bottom line is it's it's a disaster for the party. It is. But it's an amazing disaster. I just said
0: that. If they're going to have to choose among this dismal group, and all of them are dismal, she's the least dismal among the group. That's all I'm saying. All right, right. so now let's, let's move on, because I, it's an important thing. One of the things, I mean, look, the obvious winner of, of last night's debate was Donald Trump, Trump right? We, we know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, so we agree. Uh, and plus he had a fantastic speech that was uh, running concurrently. At the time of the, uh, the speech, and that's fine. And you can say, oh, that's so unclassic. Well, guess who did that? Obama did that when he was running for re-election. That's what you do. It's why it's fine. It's, it's called uh, politics. Yeah. What, what you, yeah, if you guys if you, can run a, an impeachment against this president with literally no evidence whatsoever against this otherwise very fine president, well, then excuse us while we have a rally speech during the same time as your Democrat debate. Okay. F-U you. Yeah, we're, we're
1: allowed to give you better entertainment options while you're putting on a dismal show over yes, here. Yes,
0: it's called ratings. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, at, if
1: it wasn't part of my work yesterday, I would have been watching his rally instead.
0: So, the elephant in the room last night <clears throat> in the debate was, wait for it, the economy. Right? Nobody was talking about the economy. I mean, they may have, you know, paid quip lip service to to something about the economy. Uh, and the idea that they're speaking to, you know, the average person and somehow he's the only, uh, you know, whether it's Pete Buttigieg or, or Kobachar, that they can speak to the, the average citizen. Really? Because I think Trump is doing a pretty damn good job of that, that, that. So that that is a big problem for them. The economy is something that they just can't dance around. They just can't do it. And And here's the issue for them. The economy is standing above them like a sword of Damocles that will just descend upon them the moment that anyone touches it. So be careful, guys, talking about the economy. I don't know how you fight against it. They didn't even talk about the international relations, Um, you know, the way we're dealing with Iran, the way we're dealing with China and so on like that. Everything was about attacking each other about their foibles and their misconduct and their past misdeeds and, and missteps politically. I don't get it. Um, how they think that they're going to win without actually dealing with those two big honking issues—the economy—and how strong America has become as a result of Donald Trump. I, you know, I guess they—I guess the best way to deal with an issue that you think is is not a winner is to not talk about it at all.
1: Yeah. Well, they just seem like four to six years behind the the timeline here because. Good point. The appeal of socialism. Is strong in bad economic times, right. not in good economic times. So even as late as 2016, the Sanders message had a resonance to it because right. the country had been battered by. It, not eight, but ten years of Obamaism, going back mm-hmm. to when Pelosi and Reid took over Congress and started trashing the economy in the last two years of the Bush administration. Right, right. Because that's when socialism started being uh, a thing with people as a solution to our problems, as as more fair than this thing that isn't working for us. And right. especially in the wake of the 08 crash. Right. Right. Um, but— Now they're trying to sell the socialist message to a voting base that has been totally made insane by Uh us during a time of peace and prosperity and not just peace and prosperity, but prosperity that's unheard of and unseen in this country. Ever. ever and then ever. and then their strongest base the the ethnic minority votes of the the black and latino community especially the black community which has traditionally over the last 40 or so years has voted 95% democrat is suddenly experiencing prosperity that they've never experienced, and they damn well know it's due to a guy named Trump? Well, how, but hold on. It's so, such so, a hard sell. It's a hard
0: sell, and it's another elephant in the room, but it's, it's related to the economy, of course. And how do you deal with it? Well, you deal with it, but not talking about it. Yeah, ignore and, it, and, pretend and, and, it doesn't look, exist. Look, and I'm in court all the time, and one of the things you – you it's, it's hard to ignore it. People remember these issues, and look, I'm also an arbitrator myself, so I I evaluate cases on my own. And a lot of times people will try to hope that you don't remember something, and I do remember it. And I assume that there's intelligence among the judges that I'm before and arbitrators that I'm before that they will remember too. So you need to deal with it and just say, okay, this is what they raised, but they're wrong about it because of Y or X. And that's, you just deal with it, okay? And don't pretend it doesn't exist because it has a life of its own. It keeps on going. It's like a lie that you don't address. Uh, If someone tells you an obvious lie and it just keeps on living somehow. So be very careful, Democrats, when you don't deal with the issues, especially the black issue, because uh, blacks are voting, uh, I mean, their approval rating of this president is through the roof compared to what it was for any previous Republican any previous Republican. Another thing that people are not noticing, the Democrats are not noticing, and I think either we brought this up in the podcast last week or on my Sunday show, But it's, and and I think it's almost a perfect analogy, what Trump has done for the presidency in terms of the way we look at the presidency and what a presidency can mean, how do I describe this? Um, It's like the difference, and this is what I said before. It's like the difference between we've been flying around in twin-engine propeller planes, and we think that's the way to get from point A to point B. Yeah, right? but now we're in a jet. Or, or fighting. Last week, okay, yes. so it was last week on this podcast. We are, and now, and, and Trump is simply saying, let's use the jets. That's a lot faster. It's a lot cleaner, and we can carry more people, and so on. Okay, and by the way, they're also better fighters too, when we want to deal with the enemy. So that's what he's done. He's simply introduced it, and we in the in the past when it comes to the presidency whether it's republican or democrat um, we've been kind of like arguing at the margins and you know well a classic example is minimum wage i know that i bring up minimum wage a lot maybe too far too too much but it's still it's so emblematic of, of the things that we say so the Democrats will say $15, you know, an hour. That's a reasonable living wage. And the Republicans fight back by saying, "No, no more than $12 an hour, 12.50." I mean, really, that's the that's the the, the debate stage on this issue, and that's the way it is on all the issues. Right? When, when it comes to abortion, for example, same sort of thing. Well, yeah, we need curbs on late term abortion. So yeah, exactly. We need
1: parental notification.
0: Not, can we end murdering babies? Right. Please. It, it should be much more dramatic. <laughs> yeah. uh, rent control, same thing. Well, let's try. You know, everyone's arguing at the periphery at these margins and just kind of like, you know, kind of pushing and pulling a little bit here, not realizing that the Democrats are really advancing their position in a very dramatic way, and we need to fight back. And that's what Trump has done. <clears throat> He's simply saying I'm changing the whole paradigm of the way that republicans at least effectuate a presidency and look what he's done i mean and and the most emblematic thing of that is and again it's not it didn't have, it didn't change the entire world i get it but it's emblematic the way he moved the embassy from tel aviv to jerusalem is everything it says everything about him and the way he views the presidency
1: yeah, and there's something uh, I forgot to mention when you mentioned it last week That's a detail about that He didn't just move the embassy He declared Jerusalem will now be recognized as Israel's capital by us
0: Right, forever and it's, Forever, uh, and it's awesome.
1: undivided Right, And that, that nukes the issue of, of a divided Jerusalem and a divided Israel And, it, you know, like a lot of people who were born in Jerusalem Had to list on their American passports Born in Jerusalem. They had no right. nation state of
0: origin. Right. So, so the point so is that they it's have— It's You're right. It is huge. Uh, the point is that he gets to be there and he effectua- effectuates the game of the presidency without worrying about what the street thinks. I don't think that Donald Trump really gave a damn about what people think of him. I don't think they've ever, he's ever worried about that. He just does what he thinks should be done at the end of the day, and it happens to be that what should be done is very popular among the people. Okay, You, you cut regulations, uh, and you don't worry about what the unions think about that or what the regulatory agencies uh, might lose their jobs about. You just cut it because it's the right thing to do. You don't worry about whether Iran um, is going to accelerate its nuclear facilities because you're now pulling out of this Iranian deal. You do the right thing and you pull out of the Iranian deal.
1: Yeah, you don't care what terrorists think when you kill terrorists. Right.
0: It's you, wonderful. Exactly. You, you don't care about uh, you know, the Paris Treaty and the, the climate change nonsense when you know that it's nonsense. Okay, so this is not the game that he plays. He doesn't kind of play to the street in any shape or form. Yeah, whether you, that street is in the Arab Street or whether it's on Main Street in America, he doesn't play to it. And that's what makes him uh, so good a, a leader. That's why people respect him. That's why they, we consider him our people, so to speak, uh, in, in the best way possible. That's why blacks love him. That's why Latinos now love him. Uh, he, you don't even realize Latinos love Donald Trump. Part of the reason, by the way, is that in the construction business, in the main cities at least, it's certainly in Los Angeles, there are a lot of, surprise, Latinos. Okay? Guess who's getting a lot of work? Latinos. The constru- Latinos. Yeah. yeah. They, they are busier than ever.
1: Yeah, guess who doesn't get their wages undercut when you get tough on illegal in, illegal border crossing Latinos. Latinos? Exactly
0: right. They're thrilled with Donald Trump. It's yeah. uh, even our nanny, who is herself a Latino. She's from El Salvador. Uh, she she came in legally, by the way. We did we absolutely made it clear we will not hire a nanny who is illegal, only who has a green card and is on her way to become a, a citizen. And she's now a citizen, by the way. And we're, we're so excited about that, um, for all sorts of reasons. First of all, it's the right thing to do, and secondly, in our own selfish interest, I want somebody who's got something to lose. If she, you know, somehow something bad happens to our children, uh, you know, an illegal nanny would run off back to Mexico because she doesn't want to be caught and th- done. I- I'll, I'll never find her right, again. No,
1: cri- no, uh, no accountability. accountability. Exactly. And for someone who's going to take care of your children, right? That shows you how stupid that is. I know. Yeah. So
0: that, that was so basic to me. Anyway, and my wife, of course, was on board with my logic on that one. So he's so popular among all these things. so even she likes it. He's changing the whole dynamic of the presidency, and he's teaching now people how to be a president. Now, mark my words. Going forward, you know, if for some god-awful reason Trump loses the presidency, it it won't matter in—I mean, it does matter in a different way. But if he loses in 2020— uh, people will still be channeling their inner Trump from, from now on, whether they're Republicans or Democrats. They will speak very, very clearly and very bluntly and do things very clearly and very bluntly uh, because they will have learned from Donald Trump. Maybe they won't do the tweets. Maybe they won't have orange hair and all that stuff, but they will do things bluntly. And, and that's a good thing. That's a gift that Trump has given to the, the office of the presidency in America. It's fantastic. Now, uh, but he's going to win, and in 2024, it's going to continue on both on the Democrat side and the Republican side. They will speak much more bluntly, much more audacious, and they'll realize that the street is not what they thought it was. Now, I want to talk about a very important thing, the economy. Did you know, and I want to ask you, are you denying, R.A. David, that the economy is doing so poorly? Are you denying it?
1: I'm confused. Are 99% of scientists... I, I, I think whatever 99% of scientists tell me.
0: Right. Yeah. 97% of, of economic, e- economists are saying that the economy is doing poorly. Are you denying that? I don't know. I'm really confused <laughs> here. <laughs> are you an are you yeah. a, a economic disaster denier? Right. That's what you are, right? Yeah. It's, it's amazing, right? We know... I mean, just looking out the out the street, so to speak, that the economy is doing fantastically well. But the Democrats would have you believe that it's doing horribly. It's just like the climate change thing. They, they want you to believe that the climate is changing and it's warming and everything else, but it's completely inconsistent with reality. We know that, in fact, that we've got a cooling trend of, of all things going on, that the ice sheets have not melted and the polar bears are not dying and all the things that they're just... Damn wrong! All about.
1: I know is that the weather in Los Angeles is exactly the same as it's always been. Right, so, that's exactly right. And if, if it ain't different here, it ain't different anywhere. Right,
0: right. You know? So, but and they they stretched it to and say that hurricanes are the, are caused by climate change and so on, and therefore by man. And they never present the evidence. We've talked about this at length. But why can't we make the same argument when it comes to yeah. the economy? I mean, ninety-seven percent of economists actually agree that the economy is doing rip roaring fan effing tastic, right? But these guys are deniers. Aren't they?
1: Yeah, they're flat earthers.
0: They really are. And and that's the that's their problem. I mean they they do they believe what they believe at their own peril. But what do they say? They say two things. One is that the economy on the one hand is it seems to be doing well for blacks and otherwise, but what kind of jobs are they really? You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's the kind of uh, talk that they make, uh, that, that the fact that they're employed doesn't mean that they have good jobs. Right. They you know? say
1: something, al- and this is their rhetoric, they mm-hmm. say something along the lines of,
0: we need an economy that
1: works for all people.
0: That's right. Elizabeth Warren's brain, right. right? Okay, but of course they have you know. no backup for it whatsoever, yeah. and uh, you know, if, if it's for all people, you would expect those people who are somehow left out at the margins, because that's what she's implying, then okay, where are they and why are they you know, struggling so much and, and they're saying that Trump Trumponomics uh, is destroying their lives somehow. Right, and when okay?
1: I see the people who the economy is not working for, which is, in our case, the homeless bums infesting our streets, I know there are other reasons for it, than the influence Trump has had on the economy. Because they were there before Trump became president. And they're there because of policies Democrats have put in locally.
0: Right. right? So that's issue number one. The the fact that they can't present any evidence that somehow these are lousy jobs. I mean, if these are lousy jobs, then people seem pretty happy with these so, so-called lousy jobs. Yeah. And what is a lousy job anyway? What, uh, if you ask Mike Bloomberg, I suppose it's anybody who's not in finance, right? Yeah. <laughs> farming is a lousy job, apparently, according yeah. to him. What audacity, what arrogance when he spoke. Like, farming is so easy. You just put a seed in the, in the ground, you water it, and then you put it in the sun, and then out comes some corn. What, really? Okay, that's like saying, about his his uh, profession, uh, financing. All you do is you you pick a stock that seems to be going up and you make a lot of money. What's so hard? Okay, I mean, yeah. uh, you know. So uh,
1: I was going to say even another thing, which is probably a little more in line with the example, be, I think even funnier, which is what's so hard. You have your quant program on your computer running, it picks the stocks per, for you. Exactly. You just put
0: money in the account and boom. Right, yeah, exactly. Hedge right. fund. Hedges. Or you can say that anything. So you, you're a doctor, okay, you see somebody with a disease. You give them you know an you inoculation. cut it out of them, send it okay. home. Send right? it home, right? <laughs> yeah. You're a lawyer, okay, so you, you your, your client is owed some money, so you you demand the money. You say, hey judge, give me the, give get my client some money. Okay, what's the problem? I mean it, it's so it's so audacious and so stupid. It's so easy to retort as well. Right? But anyway, the point is that He's, you know, they're all trying to say that these jobs are lousy, and farming is one of those lousy jobs, apparently. <laughs> uh, lousy job. Yeah. <laughs> People who feed everyone, to a lousy yeah, job. Yeah, exactly. Uh, jerk. And, and and that's that's the mantra. That's one thing. And then the second mantra that they have is so so. On the, okay, so let's see. Hold on. I want to make this clear because I said it to a good friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours. where on the one hand, they say the economy is really doing well, and that's Obama's, you know, to, to his credit, yeah. right? On the other hand, they're saying the economy is doing terribly, Uh, and And and, that's what Trump did. And that's what Trump did. Yeah, right. So which is it? You you cannot you truly cannot have it both ways. Both cannot be true at the same time. Yeah. Well, choose your wait, wait. Choose your poison, guys. That's what I ask you to do. So if it's if it's a fantastic economy and you don't want to give credit to Trump, fine. Uh, You're saying it's Obama. But what you you are stuck with is explaining how so you know what you're talking about Willis
1: right why did it suck those eight years like when we talk about how what Reagan did those r- was eight, eight enjoyed eight years by of Obama cl- yeah but what what Reagan did was enjoyed by Clinton ten years later right well it's because there was really no radical change to the plan right right with Obama he's why were those eight years so lousy and why did they suddenly get good the day the other guy was inaugurated? Right, so right. well, Obama was just so diplomatic and magnanimous towards his successor that he put little time bombs in place that would only detonate and free the economy when he left so he could say, see see how nice I am to Mr. Trump. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Same guy who was spying on Trump, invading his campaign, unleashing FISA warrants.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, but he was trying to help the economy along for the successor. That's right. <laughs> it's a, it, it is so bizarre, like how he, you know, he set it all up, and you, know, you would think that his advisors would say, I mean, I, I can imagine the, the, the get-together about Obama presenting his economic plan. And uh, I, you know, So my plan presents in such a way that uh, by the time that January 2017 rolls around, um, the economy will just take off dramatically. You'll see an incredible Decrease in unemployment and a fantastic increase in the stock market. And then his advisor is saying, you know, we, we really like this, uh, Mr. Mr. President. But do you think that maybe you, you want to have it happen earlier? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so, that, so that you, you know, the, the, the credit, the, the improvement can happen while you're still president. Because it seems to me that you're planning it just at the time that a new president might be coming in, Republican or Democrat. I know, I know Trump's not going to win. Of course, there's no way he's going to win. But... Uh, yeah, why but what would that happen that then? Why would you give it all to Hillary or right, to, yeah. to Trump, for that matter? And uh, you know, just trust me, that's when what we'll do. That's the way it's going to work. Okay, so, so I mean, it's so so silly. Such a thing and a conversation would never have happened at all, right? That's what, but that's what they would have you believe that somehow, whatever success is happening, it's because of him. Look,
1: yeah, everyone well, is just don't forget his, uh, you know, administration was scandal free, don't you know? Scandal free, yeah. yeah.
0: So. This happens every once in a while, by the way, in uh, the law, the practice of law. Every once in a while, I take over a case, okay? And, and the previous attorney, you know, I, I don't want to speak, uh, you know, have dispersions about oh, such well, a person. He
1: did a lousy job and you do a good job.
0: No, no, right? it's not even, <laughs> no? yeah, no. I appreciate you saying that, but there are many times where I take over a case, the attorney, for whatever reason, didn't do certain key things that needed to be done, or the client didn't have enough money or didn't, Understand the game as well, and uh, either fire the previous attorney, and a lot of time had passed, and all of a sudden, you know, then they come to us like two months before trial or three months before trial, and we turn it around and we win. I, I literally a case like that happened where I took over the case three months before trial. We were pretty aggressive in our discovery, and then we went to trial. We won a trial. And guess who claimed all the credit? The attorney. first attorney yeah. who had got had out of the case, uh, you know, after like only half a month, uh, half a year. And it was hysterical to hear this. And we said, listen, guy, I appreciate that you want to take credit for it and it's a win. You don't have to worry about malpractice, that's for sure, <laughs> because, it, you know, the, the client won at the end of the day. But don't take credit for actually making it happen. Okay, dude. Um, and, I, and I, again, I'm not casting dispersions on this guy, but I will, I will say he should take credit. <laughs> for the win, when somebody else takes the ball all the way through, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, and that's what Obama is doing as well. Okay, so my main point here, and the point I want to leave with, is this notion that they are so hell bent on making you believe that the climate is changing, and it's ninety-seven uh, percent of uh, scientists agree. And never mind, there's a whole bunch of, of problems with that or, that statement alone. Uh, And and the fact that man is, they can't prove that man has been been behind it proportionally. uh, They they can't show when it's going to happen, how much damage is going to happen, whether or not we can do anything about it, even if it is happening, uh, and what the response is, what the response should be in response to all of this. It's really hysterical, literally hysterical, the way that they respond. But they expect you to believe it, and they say it with tremendous certainty, and then they say the same thing about transgenderism that there are 57 genders and you are a fool if you don't believe it right <laughs> and and then but then they want to they want to believe that economics is a matter of fluidity that there is no consensus whatsoever there's a consensus, my friends the economy is fantastic right now. the consensus is that Trump's deregulations are the reason why that they're happening okay the consensus is That unemployment is at its lowest levels in history. Okay, the consensus is that Trump is doing a fantastic job on Israel. And you are ignoring, You, you decide not to go for it. But I'm using your same arguments against you. The consensus is so clear. You just don't want to see it. And that and who's the fool? Who are the deniers now, right? It's, it's, that's the way it is. Whenever the, the Democrats believe something, they believe it with all their hearts. That there's no gray for them. They don't think that, for example, rent control sometimes may work or may not work. We'll see. We think the jury's still out on the issue. No. They know rent control is right. They know that minimum wage is right. They know that affirmative action is right. They know that climate change is right. They know that racism is, is wildly pervasive, pervasive everywhere in America. They know that anti-Semitism is all caused by right-wing nuts right they're so certain about it but when it comes to the economy which is right in their face the elephant in the room and that blacks are now approving of trump and Latinos even more so and they that they will not see that's it my friends i'm brock larry thanks for listening and we'll talk with you next week